few weeks for the Jewish people with the anti-Semitic tropes that seem to repeat themselves in every generation. Rahm Emanuel recently wrote a powerful piece in the Atlantic magazine about the many times in his political career that he had to defend himself from the accusation of dual loyalty, even though he was born in the United States, because his father was an immigrant from Israel. And that's the dual loyalty uh, trope, which was the most recent. And I still recall, personally, being beaten up in the 50s and the 60s in my youth by some neighborhood hoodlums who called me a Christ killer. But it is Shabbat, and time to take a break from the news, from the kind of anxiety that many of our ancestors must have felt in troubling times. It's also the month of Adar, where we are encouraged to forget our woes and celebrate when Purim comes along this Wednesday evening. For centuries, the traditional greeting on the first day of the month of Adar, which fell a week ago, has been be happy, it's Adar. The reason for this greeting is fairly obvious. Adar is the month in which our joyful holiday of Purim occurs, like the festive Mardi Gras and other parallel pre-spring celebrations. Purim gives us the opportunity to masquerade, frolic, and enjoy ourselves with little control. We know, for example, that we are told we need to imbibe to the extent that we can no longer distinguish between blessed is Mordechai and cursed is Haman. Be happy, it's Adar. It's not just a particularistic happiness that we Jews are to feel. We are connected to the rest of the world in ways that often are be unbeknownst to us. One year around this time, I was in a Vietnamese restaurant for lunch with some friends when we heard the owner speaking to a Vietnamese customer. They wished each other some joyous greeting. My friend, who I was having lunch with, he's quite the linguist, translated their greeting as Happy New Year. The owner confirmed that indeed it was the Vietnamese New Year celebration that day. He quickly added and told me that their calendar, I might not understand this, is lunar, as he pointed to the sky, telling us that it was time for the new moon. I smiled, knowingly. That's how we Jews mark our calendar as well. Indeed, be happy, it's Adar. Sitting there, I also considered the relationship between our peoples as extending far beyond the coincidental calendric connection. When the boat people from Cambodia and Vietnam were floating aimlessly through the oceans 50 years ago, Israel, still quite idealistic and aware of its universalistic mission, was the first country anywhere to rescue and accept these refugees. Perhaps memories that we too were a boat people with nowhere to go in the late 1930s and early 40s was the motivation. No matter, those Vietnamese and Cambodians who live in Israel today are very well aware of the lunar celebrations of their new year and are Adar. They are happy it is Adar. Why then are we not content with our Jewish calendar? Why is there always something wrong? How many Jews do you know are happy when Adar arrives? How many Jews know when Adar arrives? How many know much about our Jewish calendar? How many know that Hanukkah 
always comes on the 25th of Kislev, which possibly influenced the choice of the 25th of December when Christianity developed their winter solstice holiday. As a matter of fact, I wish, and I'm sure many rabbis feel the same way, I wish I had a nickel for every time someone has said to me in the fall, Rabbi, Rosh Hashanah is so early this year. Or why are the high holidays so late this time? That's going to come this September. I would be happy in exchange to refund a dollar for each occasion when someone has thought that the holidays arrived right on time. <laughs> well, the problem, of course, is that most of us are not familiar with the Hebrew calendar. It doesn't seem to affect us nearly as much as the Roman calendar that governs our secular activities. Did you know that there is a tradition to inscribe the Hebrew date on all of our documents, including letters and correspondence, which today extends to emails and texts? Indeed, some Jews also note the Torah portion of the week in their dating of such materials. The ketubah, the brit and naming certificates, the date of death on our tombstones, on the yard site board, all bear the day and month of the Hebrew calendar. The calendar is really quite simple. There are 12 months in the Hebrew calendar too. And there are leap years. We are presently in a leap year, which explains why Passover comes so late this year. Excuse me, it's right on time, the 15th of Nisan. Though to us, it might seem complicated. In some ways, the Hebrew calendar is somewhat simpler. Each month on the Hebrew calendar has either 29 or 30 days. That's all. No February with 28 days sometimes and 29 days at other times. No 31-day months either. It's easier to keep track of the Hebrew months. Just look up in the sky. Our calendar is basically lunar, like some other Asian countries. Asia Minor is another name for the Middle East, which is not so distant from the Far East. Every new moon is the beginning of our new month. When the moon is full, it is the 14th or 15th of our month. And when the moon empties out again, we know that we are heading for the end of the month and a beginning of a new one. That's why so many of our holiday celebrations occur not on the first of the month, but in the middle of the month. Purim, Passover, Sukkot, Tu Bishvat, all are observed when there is a full moon and much outdoor activity can take place not in pitch black darkness. Yet there are a few hitches in its simplicity. Since the calculation of the month is dependent on the moon, there is a discrepancy between the length of a lunar and a solar year. Thus, compensation must take place in order to keep the holidays in their proper seasons. A solar year has 365 days, while a lunar year only 354 days. If we did not do something, then Passover would eventually make its way into the winter and fall, and Rosh Hashanah might someday occur on July 4th. Ooh, maybe I could have convinced someone to switch Minnesota and Arizona with me. It's interesting to note that the Muslim calendar, also lunar, does not have any occasional adjustments. So the holidays do move around the yearly cycle in a gradual manner. That can create big problems because their month of Ramadan, which is a month of fasting during daylight hours, becomes quite a challenge when it occurs in the summertime. What may be an easy fast during eight, day, eight hours of relatively 
mild temperature in January becomes quite a task during 16 hours of blazing July heat. When the Hebrew calendar was devised and standardized in the fourth century by our rabbinic ancestor, Hillel Hakatan, an ingenious cycle of 19 years was calculated in which a leap year would occur seven times, approximately every two or three years. That way the holidays would hover around the same time period each and every year. It ensured for our ancestors that the harvest would be seasonally timely and appropriate. The calendar was also arranged, this is important, so that certain holidays would never fall on particular days. For example, imagine how difficult it would be to have Yom Kippur on a Friday. How could one appropriately prepare for Shabbat? And if Yom Kippur fell on a Sunday, how could you get ready for it on Shabbat? Thus, Yom Kippur will never fall on a Friday or a Sunday. The genius of Hillel Hakatan, a descendant of the great first century Hillel, is apparent. Be happy, it's Adar. That's the phrase that we echo at this time of year, but are you ready for this? Purim doesn't always occur in Adar, like this year. That's right, in our leap year, I told you we add a full month and it's added immediately after Adar and just before Nisan. We merely call the first month Adar 1 and the next month Adar 2. Curiously, we move the holiday of Purim out of Adar 1 into Adar 2. That way there will always be the same amount of chronological distance between Purim and Passover. Our spiritual selves begin to anticipate Passover at the time of Purim. Our taste buds start yearning for matzah the minute we bite into our first hamantaschen. The leap year is no different. Is this a strange time to make an addition to the calendar? Consider the secular calendar. I have always been amused that we perceive January to be the first month of the year. Actually, the names of the fall months tell us something quite different. September uses the prefix sept, meaning seven. October eight, November nine, and December 10. That makes January and February 11 and 12. This presents us with March as the first month of the year. Evidence of this framework is obvious when we consider where the extra day is added in a leap year, immediately following February and preceding March 1st, not on December 31st, as we might logically expect. And Nisan, which follows Adar 2, is not Tishrei, but Nisan is the first month actually on the Hebrew calendar. March is closer to the springtime, the natural beginning of our year, the rebirth of the landscape, and the reawakening of our spiritual sides. For lo, the winter is past, Song of Songs says, and springtime is here. The Hebrew calendar works along those same lines. Following the month of Adar comes Nisan, the time of Passover, when the birth of the Jewish people, the beginning of our destiny as a nation is celebrated. Be happy, it's Adar. Purim is coming and soon after Pesach, another Jewish year beginning. We will be reviewing Jewish history at the Seder, the story of our people during the quintessential holiday of our tradition. 
taking a serious look at who and what we are, a consideration of the meaning of freedom and existence, but first Purim comes with its messianic hope that those who seek to destroy us will be vanquished and we will be saved. A, a naive hope given the long run of persecution against us, but can we afford to give it up? Don't worry, be happy, our tradition seems to say, the same words as that popular song of decades ago. Yes, it is a silly song, but a wish for all with a vision of the messianic age. But it is no sillier than we get on Purim, the story of Haman, perhaps the first, but certainly not the latest to accuse us of having a loyalty to a nation other than our own. The story is considered not historically true by scholars, but the more our people exists and succeeds, the more it seems that there is nothing truer. That is what we have experienced recently, thanks to the congressional representative from our home state of Minnesota. But don't worry, be happy. <coughs> it's a dar. Thank you.